wise Sir Bedivere was the first to join King Arthur's knights. But other illustrious names were soon to follow. Sir Lancelot, the brave. Sir Galahad, the pure. And Sir Robin, the not quite so brave as Sir Lancelot, who had nearly fought the Dragon of Angnor, who had nearly stood up to the vicious Chicken of Bristol, and who had personally wet himself at the Battle of Baden Hill. And the aptly named Sir not appearing in this film. Together they formed a band whose names and deeds were to be retold throughout the centuries. The Knights of the Round Table. And is that really just how we know the earth to be banana sheep? This new learning amazes me, Sir Bedivere. Explain again how sheep's bladders may be employed to prevent earthquakes. Oh, certainly, sir. Look, my liege. Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Knights, I bid you welcome to your new home. Let us ride to Camelot. We're knights of the round table. We dance where we're able. We do routine to call a scene to put work in fake cable. We dine well here in Camelot. We eat ham and jam and scamot. We're knights of the round table. Our shows are more One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. Sorry. And don't apologize. Every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. What are you doing now? I'm averting my eyes, oh lord. Now knock it off. Yes, lord. Right. Arthur, king of the Britons, your knights of the round table shall have a task to make them an example in these dark times. Good idea, oh lord. Of course it's a good idea. Behold, Arthur. This is the Holy Grail. Look well, Arthur, for it is your sacred task to seek this Grail. That is your purpose, Arthur. The quest for the Holy Grail. A blessing, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. Good evening, Hope. How's everybody doing tonight? Very good, good. Hi, my name is Pete Smith. I am the Youth and Family Director here. I, I get the privilege and the honor to work with uh, Hope Kids and as well as all the way up through Ignition and Power Life. And, uh, and I get to do a lot of student ministry stuff. And so that's where we're watching a little bit of Monty Python. We're going to kind of keep it light tonight as the Hope at some points. And we'll, we'll kind of get into uh, the introspection as well, uh, the reflectiveness of Ash Wednesday. But, uh, you know, let's have fun while we're doing it, right? Um, I bet you we're the only... 
a church in the U.S. that is showing Monty Python right now for Ash Wednesday. That's my guess. Maybe the world. Maybe we're, we're the only one in the world. So uh, I trust me, we will get there. We'll get to Monty Python. It's not just for, uh, it would be fun to show these youngsters uh, a little bit of Monty Python. But no, we'll get to that point here uh, later on. So stick with me. Also, I know you're probably wondering, I, so let's just get it away, get it through right now. Uh, yes, this is actually my mustache. Yes, that is correct. Um, yes, uh, I do know it looks absolutely ridiculous, so I do understand that. And also, yes, my uh, wife does not like it. So we're, we're all on the same page, so we know what's going on. It's Mustache March. I was talking with a colleague in West Des Moines the other, uh, this last weekend, and uh, I t- told him I was going to be talking to Ash Wednesday. He's like, you should call it Stash Wednesday. So happy Stash Wednesday, everybody. <laughs> To be awesome. So, uh, but really, uh, Ash Wednesday typically is kind of a time where we're able to reflect upon uh, who uh, we are and, and the fact and who God is in our lives. And the fact that our time here on earth is short. Uh, the fact that, you know, we were, uh, through the story of Adam and Eve, we were created by dirt and soon we will be dirt again. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And that's kind of the theme of what we kind of talk about. Tonight, though, what I'd like to do is kind of set the table a little bit differently. Uh, I'd like to be able to talk a little bit uh, about a different aspect or different uh, angle coming into Ash Wednesday, if that's all right. Uh, We're going through uh, the Miracle March here this month, and so we're talking about the Gospel of Mark. And uh, and so as we do that, our story uh, comes from that. And so as we're working towards that, uh, that's kind of where we're coming from here. Uh, But Lent here is 40 days, 40 days of waiting, 40 days of anticipation. It's 40 days of reflection. And so uh, as we kind of uh, move forward, and as we're kind of jumping into Lent here, waiting for the like what I consider the best Christian holiday of Easter, because we wouldn't be here if there wasn't an Easter, right? We wouldn't be here, and so uh, as we're kind of moving our way towards that and, and anticipating and uh, and waiting for that time, uh, we get to kind of ju- jump in today. Uh, our our scripture from today comes from Mark chapter two, verses one through twelve, and to me, this is kind of uh, like the quintessential Sunday school verse, like, or a Sunday school story, you know, I remember when I was a kid in Sunday school, and I don't know if maybe anybody else here had this, uh, but do you remember, like, the flannel graphs, uh, like, the big flannel boards, and then you would have these cutouts similar to, you know, what's here, uh, sorry, I'm used to a back screen here, uh, you'd have these cutouts similar to what's here with Jesus, and, uh, and maybe some sheep, and disciples, and you would tell the story by moving around, anybody with me on that one? It's kind of magic how they stuck up on the board, you know, I was like, blew my mind on how that would work, and it was kind of cool. It was magical, kind of, too, how it kind of, even though we didn't have YouTube back in the day, uh, guys, uh, you know, students right now, you, you can plug in however you want. We didn't have that. We had flannel graphs, all right? So uh, we're, we're trying to educate you a little bit here tonight, guys, because this is, uh, just so you know, this is where we kind of pushed. We do Wednesday night mi- student ministry, and so, uh, you know, we have 400 or so middle schoolers and high schoolers that come for Power Life and Ignition, and so it's usually during this time. So we kind of, if you're looking around, you're thinking like, all right, it's pretty youthful tonight. It's because we kind of pushed our students to come tonight. So good to see everybody. We'll see you next week. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to the story, what I, what I love about this story and why I feel like it's just so quintessential to uh, like a Sunday school story is that, you know, it's, it's so cool to watch and to see uh, how all these different pieces go together. You have Jesus, and he's, te- he's going to be teaching in this, air- in this building. And so these friends who have a fr- another friend, these four friends who have another friend that can't walk, say, we've heard of Jesus, and we've heard of what he can do. So let's carry our friend across town, and let's bring him to the feet of Jesus and have him heal him so he can walk. And so he does that. They, they, bring, they bring them across, and they get to this building, and they can't get in. It's full. 
They can't get into the into uh, see Jesus. And so they think out of the box and they think, let's vandalize this place and let's climb up to the roof and let's dig a hole through the roof, right? So let's do this right. And so they carry him up and they start ripping a hole through the roof uh, in the roof to start lowering their friend down to Jesus. Now imagine that you're in the room because I like as I was thinking about this, I was like, what if I was there and I went to go see Jesus uh, and hear about him? And I probably I would be thinking, yes. He's in my neighborhood. I'm going to get to go see him. I've heard about all these cool things that he's done, and I've heard about these healings and miracles that he's done, and so maybe I'll get to catch that too, right? So you're sitting in the room. You're excited to kind of see what Jesus is going to say, what he's going to do, and all of a sudden, you see this light coming through the ceiling, and you think, yes, it's going to happen. Something crazy is going to happen, and all of a sudden, you see somebody getting lowered down, and you think, miracle, miracle right you start thinking that in your head and you start thinking yes i'm gonna see something amazing and then here he comes and so let's kind of see uh what happens here in mark chapter two then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of jesus seeing their faith jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiven that's not what i would have expected if i was sitting there you see this man who can't move who can't walk Get lowered down, and you would expect for Jesus to say, you're healed. Go ahead and stand up. Do a jig or whatever it might be, right? You're going to expect that he's going to heal him. But instead, he says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. I, that would throw me off a little bit. I would kind of think, man, that's unexpected. That is totally unexpected. And I've kind of experienced something like this. Now, it wasn't something as amazing as watching somebody's sins be forgiven by Jesus but five or six years ago, my wife and I, uh, we went to London for a, for a work trip. And when we went to London, we, uh, my wife is a huge fan of Monty Python. See, bringing it back in here, bringing, Mon uh, bringing it back down here. Uh, was a huge fan of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and all the stuff that they've done. And so we thought, let's go to Spamalot while we're in London. That'd be great. At the West End, let's go. We're going to go check it out. It'd be really fun. We love going to musicals. Uh, and seeing those things. When we used to, before we moved here, we lived like two hours from New York City, so we went to, you know, we were, went to tons of musicals there as well, and just we loved seeing them. So I said, let's go. And so as we uh, went to go up and buy tickets, the person selling the tickets said, all right, we have two options for you. If you want, we have two just normal seats. They're great. They're just going to be really fun. They're great seats. It's, it's this many pounds, and because you're in London, so you have to pay by pounds. And Or... We have these other two tickets, and they're also equally great. It's about the same price, but they're audience participation tickets. And I, and I was just, I, it, took, it took no time for my wife to look at each other, for my, my wife and I to look at each other and to say, audience participation, of course, that's what we want. And so we bought the audience participation tickets, and we've experienced audience participation before. We saw the Blue Man Group once, and it was like the highlight of the whole Blue Man Group experience was, getting nailed in the, like, getting nailed, like, in the shoulder by a bunch of, like, banana goo and all that kind of stuff. That was so much fun. And so audience participation, we weren't sure what it was going to be. The lady who sold us the tickets would not tell me or wouldn't tell my wife and I what that audience participation was going to be. But we bought the tickets, and we were just excited to be in the room. And so we get there, and we're in row D, so, like, A, B, C, D, and we're right there, and we're kind of on the end, on the aisle, and we're watching and we're watching it go and go and go, and, and it, it, it sticks pretty close to the movie, and so we kind of know what's happening because we've watched the movie many times, and we're watching how it, the, everything unfolds, and no audience participation. I thought, you know, like maybe we stand up and we get to dance around during a song, or maybe I get hit by some goo again or something, you know, but nothing. We get to the intermission again, 
we sit back down and the show continues on and nothing happens. Like we don't have, there's no audience participation. We're getting close to the end because again, like I said, it kind of mirrors the movie a little bit. And so we know what's coming up and we're getting close to the end and there's still no audience participation. And then they kind of do this scene. So I have a video just to kind of catch us up uh, where we're at here. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I'm an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? Greetings, Tim the Enchanter. Greetings, King Arthur. You know my name? I do. You seek the Holy Grail. That is our quest. You know much that is hidden, though, Tim. Quite. Yes, we're, we're looking for the Holy Grail. Our quest is to find the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yes, it uh, is. It is. Yeah. 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 And so we're, we're, we're looking for it. Yes, yeah, 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 we have been for some time. Ages. Mm. Uh, so uh, anything that you could do to, uh, to help would be very helpful. <laughs> Look, um, you're a busy man. Uh, yes, I can help you find the Holy Grail. Oh, to the north there lies a cave, the cave of Caer Banog, wherein, carved in mystic runes upon the very living rock, the last words of Ulfin Bedwyr of Ragged make plain the last resting place of the most Holy Grail. Where could we find this cave, O Tim? Follow! Follow only if ye be men of valor, for the entrance to this cave is guarded by a creature so foul, so cruel, that no man yet has fought with it and lived. Leave them here and carry on on foot. Dismount! So, so we get to that point, and we're watching it, and, uh, and then what happens is they defeat the rabbit, and there's a big explosion, and then all of a sudden, there's this uh, a rock that's shown, and it says done on it, D-O-N-E, done. 
Uh, during, this is obviously not in the movie. This is my experience. Uh, and so we see this done uh, rock, and my wife, who is way smarter than I am at Spamalot, uh, she looks at me, and she says, that's not done. That's D1. That's your seat. So that was my seat number, D1. We were in row D. I was in seat one. And before I could even know what was going on, out comes one of the actors, the, one of the guys that does the coconuts, and, and he uh, pulls something from underneath my seat and holds it up in the air and says, I found the grail. And I was like, oh, cool. And so, so there he is, and he's standing right next to me holding the grail. I was like, audience participation. There it is. All right. That was where it ended. All of a sudden, he grabs my wrist and pulls me out of my seat and through a secret door that's right across the aisle going up to the stage, and we're backstage. And he's talking to me. He's like, hey, what's your name? Pete Smith. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, here's this. And so he gave me some stuff. He gave me, dug it out of our packing, our box that we packed a long time ago. Gave me a can of Spam. So there's that. It's just in case we have a fallout or something. I got some Spam. And then he gave like a Citizen of the Year uh, piece of paper, I guess. I don't know. Some citizen of the year thing. Or peasant of the year, I'm sorry. And so, and then he took me out on stage in front of everybody. So out there, here's the picture. They took a Polaroid um, picture of, of me up there. So there, there I am with everybody else uh, up on the stage. And uh, it, was, it was really fun. And then what they did was they asked me some questions. I tried to ham it up as much as I could. Um, and then they uh, sang a song about Pete Smith, the peasant of the year. So like, Pete Smith, the peasant of the year. Something like that, but it was way better than that, I promise. Uh, it's just I don't remember exactly what it sounded like. And so they sang this song about me, and, and da 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 made some jokes about me, and it was just really fun. Afterwards, my wife and I wa- were walking around, just kind of checking out the theater and, and seeing what was going on, and we ran into a group of, like, British schoolboys, and they were like, oh, it's Pete Smith, which I can't do a British accent. Like, that's my best, Pete Smith. I, I can't do one. Uh, my only, only one I can do, which drives my wife mad, is I can say, Harry Potter. And she hates, she does not like that whatsoever, my, my Harry Potter statement. Um, but they looked at me and they said, oh, it's Pete Smith. And then I started talking to him and they said, oh, uh, were you in the, are you like an actor in the play? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just that good, you know. And, no, but I'm really not good at acting. Uh, my wife rolled her eyes big time at me there. It happens a lot. But what's fun is, and what's crazy is, is that I did, that was unexpected. To me, that sitting in the audience and watching this thing unfold I never thought that I would end up on stage. Like, that was totally unexpected for us uh, and for me when I was doing this. And so back to the story about Jesus and sitting, uh, you know, he's, he has this person that's lower down, and, and you're watching, and you say, that is so unexpected that he says your sins are forgiven. Why would Jesus say your sins are forgiven? Because he knew that if he just, if it was just a healing and he just healed the man's legs, Sure, his life is going to be great for the next however many years he lives. But what, was it, what will his eternity look like? Jesus knew that he needed to have his sins forgiven. Jesus knew that in order for his eternity to look like what God desires it to look like, that his sins need to be forgiven. And so everybody, and, and that's what's kind of cool is, is, that, is that, you know, he sees that. And so in 1 John, it kind of talks a little bit about this, and it says, we all sin, right? We all sin, and we all need our sins to be forgiven. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive, and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. He will forgive us. Our sins will be forgiven, just as he forgave the sins of this man laying on the mat. 
Now, people got mad about this. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law got upset with Jesus. They said, only God can forgive sins. And so this is what he does. He says, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, Jesus decided to do this, not because, again, because he thought that this is going to better the man's life. That's, I don't think that's why he did it. He did this instead to prove that he had the power and the authority to forgive this man's sins. Totally unexpected. His response was totally unexpected. And so, kind of thinking about this, and and and. Jesus did a lot of unexpected things, though. Like, if you look at his ministry and you look at his life that we have documented, everything, a lot of the things that he did was unexpected. When he went to call his disciples, he didn't go to the synagogues or, or to the temple and call those educated religious people. No. He went for a walk on a beach, and he called fishermen, uneducated fishermen, to be his followers. When he went to the temple and the, his God's house, and we went to the temple to, to be there, and he didn't just kind of like, oh, and ooh and ah, or, or feel like it was home. Instead, unexpectedly, he walked over and flipped over the tables and drove the people out that were defile, defiling his house. And even just in the, in the area of, of why he came, the Jewish people were waiting for a savior to come, and they thought it was going to be somebody that would come to overthrow Rome, to reinstate their people as a dominant force like King David did. But Jesus brought a different kind of kingdom, didn't he? It was very unexpected. He brought a different kind of kingdom. So as I'm looking at these, at this Mark, at these Marks chapter 2 verses, I'm trying to say, like, what can we walk away with tonight? What can we walk away with? And there's three things. One, I think, is that what Jesus was trying to prove, and I think that he proved it very well, that Jesus and Jesus is God. Jesus and God are the same thing. That Jesus had this authority to forgive sins, and he had this authority to heal. Two, I think, again, that sometimes we look, and I think that this is showing us that things that we deem important are not necessarily always what God deems important. Watching this and being, if I was watching this or reading this even, it's like, for, heal him, heal him. That's what he needs. We see that as important. And in our lives, we see all these different things that we feel are important. But are those things the same things that God sees as important? Because God saw eternity as important. And then the third thing kind of goes along with it a little bit, but is that we do not always know God's plan. We don't know what God's thinking. Obviously here, uh, when people left, they left in two different attitudes. The Pharisees and the teachers left upset because Jesus, is, Jesus claimed to be God. And how could you claim to be God and forgive sins? Other people left, the people that got healed and the friends that watched their friend be healed. And all the other onlookers left praising Jesus. Praising God for the miracle that, they, that he did. We don't always know God's plan. But we do know that God's plan is good and perfect. 
You see, um, we all sin, like I said, and, and there's, there's a story in the Old Testament of Jonah, another classic Sunday school story, right? That if, you know, God tells them to go and talk to Nineveh to tell them to uh, repent and, and move away from their evil ways or they be destroyed. And instead, he's like, he runs away, he gets on a ship, gets thrown overboard, gets eaten by a, a large fish, and then ends up finally going to Nineveh and telling them to repent. And they do. God spares them because they repent from their sins. We all sin. And as it says in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. And as we think about this with Ash Wednesday, our, our, what we, our response needs to be then is to come clean with those sins. Expose this dirtiness in our life so that God can clean because we are also freely, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so tonight, uh, I, I, I usually try to, with the students, whenever I'm talking, I try to leave them with like a challenge. So tonight my challenge for you is that for these next 40 days to live unexpect, unexpectedly. To unexpectedly love other people. To unexpectedly care, serve other people. To unexpectedly sacrifice to live as Jesus lived, to walk as Jesus walked. And as we start walking towards the amazing day of Easter, where we get to celebrate the redemption of our soul, as we start walking that way, to remember that the most important thing is seeking God's grace. And so as you kind of are thinking about it tonight, as you receive the ashes on your head, to think about that messiness of sin, to think about that the, the, the way that we treat each other and ourselves, and to, 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 to think about that messiness that, it, that is as you are putting those ashes on, those messy ashes. But then to also think, what I think is cool is that when you put it on, it's a cross. That God's love covers all. God's grace covers all. God's compassion covers all. That Jesus died on a cross so that we can be reunited with God. Jesus also uh, did something out of, the, out of the ordinary. On the night that he was betrayed, as he was eating with his disciples, he took the bread. He broke it. He gave thanks, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Later that night, he took the cup, and he said, This is my blood, the new covenant, spilled for you and all people. Take and drink in remembrance of me. And you see, God's grace and God's love is unexpected yet we all receive it. And so tonight, as you come up, you're, it will uh, dismiss you to uh, receive communion, and you will also uh, receive ashes at the same time. So we'll have imposition of ashes and communion at the same time. Uh, and so that's the way it's going to kind of work out. But as you are receiving them, remember that we are unified with Christ. Even amongst our, the, our sins, we are still, uh, we are unified with Christ through his sacrifice for us. 
you to stand with me and we're going to uh, say the Lord's Prayer together before we eat. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The tables are ready.